Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Talking about sports. 
Yeah, it's a great place to be. You know, we in the basement. It's always cooler in the basement. Yeah. I yeah. care where you at, basement's always the coolest place to be. And that's where we coming from, live from the basement, the real sports guys, rounding out the three-man booth. We got Phil T, Sports PhD, what's happening, Captain? Present. <laughs> Keep it real succinct. Present. We got a slamming show in store for you all. This is the intro to let them know. We give you a quick rundown of some of the things that we're going to try and get to tonight. We may not cover all of this ground because we, we, we try and pack a lot into the next 90 minutes, that 90 minutes of funk that we give you every Tuesday night from 8.30 to 10 o'clock. So we're going to get into athletes, our reaction to the Zimmerman verdict. It's a big, big story nationally. Um, we go athletes responding to it. We're going to touch on that a little bit. Um, and really dig into that topic. That's one of those things where sports and and, and everyday life kind of intersect, and that's something that we like to highlight on this show. So we're going to dig into that, talk about that, give you some of our perspectives um, on the role that athletes should play as, as you know, mouthpieces and, and how whether or not they should be political um, or politicized. And, and so we're going to get into all of that. We're also going to talk about we got D-Wills and I got to finish the conversation we started last week. Last week, we got into talking about Kanye's album, Yeezus, and then we got talking about Jay-Z's album, Magna Carta, Holy Grail, and D-Wills was just getting into it, so we really didn't dig into the Jay-Z joint, because he was just kind of getting into it, and I've been listening to it, so I didn't want my perspective to color, to influence him as he went in and listened. I want him to go in with fresh ears. So he's had a week. He, he got at me on Twitter you know, talking about how how he felt about it. So we're gonna get in. We're gonna we're gonna revisit that conversation. We also gonna talk about Major League Baseball. Looks like they're headed for another big round of PED suspensions. Uh, prominent players include A. Rod, uh, Ryan Braun, Bartolo Colon. A lot of folks in the mix. Anywhere from you hear numbers anywhere from you know, five or six guys to 20 guys. So we're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about Yasiel Puig, L.A. Dodgers rookie phenom, um, who had been pumped up this first half of the season as somebody the fans wanted to see, somebody the fans wanted in the All-Star game. And then when it came time for the fans to vote him into the All-Star game, they voted in Freddie Freeman. Straight crickets. <laughs> We're going to talk about Johnny Manziel um, and his continuing just like, I don't, I don't even know what to call it. He's messing up. Uh, there's no way to put it. We're going to get into the NBA talk, hit you with some free agency, talk about some of the player movement that's going on. Um, we're going to give you our top eight in the conferences as of today. It's a very, 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 very long way to the start of the NBA season, but we're going to hit you with our top eight anyway, and we're going to keep revisiting that over time. And then we're going to do a leg- legacy check-in. You know, with the player movement that's happened, I think we've got to kind of reassess how those pieces have moved and how things have shift, shifted. You know, where are people in this Game of Thrones that we call our, our, our top ten NBA players of all time? How are some of these guys situating themselves, and how has our perceptions of these guys' legacies been shaped by this particular offseason? We're going to get into that. Um, 
then we're going to talk some NFL. Uh, the Patriots, they got a problem, man. Something's wrong with the Patriot way. Um, you know, PhD, he was, we was going back and forth over uh, over text, and he's got some issues with just the media perception of the Patriot way and how he's juxtaposed to other organizations that have had issues with players getting arrested, just how that has played out. You know what I mean? We're going to talk about Colin Kaepernick uh, rocking the Dolphins hat. How do we feel about that? I mean, you it's like flying somebody else's flag. So we're going to talk about that. Is that okay? Um, and then we're going to get into training camp opening up in a couple of weeks. We, we like to do this thing where we just kind of give you five contenders. You know, five, we, we don't like to say one team because it's the NFL and parody is the king. All right, it's always the team that comes out of nowhere. So we're going to give you five teams that look like they got a shot. Um, and that five is going to evolve over time, and we're going to check in on that as we get closer and closer and we progress through the season, through the playoffs, to get to the Super Bowl, to see where we're at with that five teams that we predicted in July, see where we're at next February when, when we get there. So that's what we got in store for you tonight. We're going to jump right in and – this 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 pat in the past couple of days. Bella, the, uh, for the one thing we need to say, yeah, shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, right. Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. I just missed it, Marcus. I just missed it. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. So this edition of the Funky Editorial, we're going to talk about athletes um, as political figures, athletes as vocal mouthpieces in the context and around the context of uh, social issues in general, but in particular the George Zimmerman trial. And I want to make sure that people understand it was the George Zimmerman trial, but not the Trayvon Martin trial. Trayvon Martin was not on trial. It's the George Zimmerman trial. I heard it referred to as a Trayvon Martin trial in different settings, and that just puts me off a little bit. I don't like that. Um, so Victor Cruz, Roddy White in particular, came out with some very, very uh, vitriolic tweets um, as the verdict came down. Um, they said, they, they, you know, Roddy White said something to the effect of the jurors um, should go and kill themselves for letting a man who killed a, a kid walk. Um, Victor Cruz was very upset and his anger was reflected in his tweets. Both players took the tweets down and then tweeted out apologies uh, for their comments. Now, before we get into talking about the whole situation and how we feel about it, first I just want to touch on the idea. What do you guys think about kind of, the censorship that seems to take place with athletes um, in response to big social issues, controversial social issues. I want to start with PhD. How do you feel about this whole situation with these guys having to take down or choosing to take down the things that they put out? It was their choice. I don't have a problem with it. But if it is the team putting pressure on them to do it, I do have a problem with that. So, for example, Victor Cruz, you know, he he put up something, took it down. Now, if it's his people pressuring him, you know, hey, this 
this doesn't look good, it's going to hurt your image, you got this new deal with Pepsi, you know, okay, perhaps. Because at the end of the day, it's Cruz's decision. But if it's a giant stepping out, you know, or Coughlin stepping out saying, hey, you need to take this down or I'm fining you, um, I would have a problem with that. Now, taking it a, further, a step further, if it's in his contract or if it's a team rule that the players agree upon, that, you know, the coach or somebody in the organization has authority over them in those matters, um, that's fine also. Um, but what I don't like is <laughs> that stuff I don't like. You know, what I don't like is – that was a joke, y'all. Nothing, nothing. Yeah, we, 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 I, got the, I, I, got, I got the joke, bro. I got the joke. Okay. <laughs> Anytime you drop a hip-hop reference, I got you. I got you. I'm, okay. just, trying, I'm just trying to stay in the moment, and, and I'm listening intently. I'm trying to I'm, – I'm hanging on your every word. <laughs> <laughs> so, at the end of the day, I'm cool with the players using this platform to put their thoughts out there. You know, I mean, in, in today's – you know, social media environment, and you got to think twice about stuff you like. You're gonna put out. I mean, honestly, I have a problem when you see people who consistently put things out there but then take it down when there's pressure that comes. You know, it's one thing if you figure out, okay, yeah, perhaps that was poorly worded, it's being interpreted wrong, but don't pull it down if you know if everybody just don't agree with you and you getting some hate. I mean, that's part of the program. So at the end of the day, I'm cool if the players are in control of, you know, what they say and their ability to take things off of Twitter. Okay, okay. Now, in, in Victor Cruz's case in particular, you know, he comes from a community, Patterson, New Jersey, that has been plagued by violence for a long time. Um, it's a it's a, it's a high poverty um, community, and so it seems as if. This whole situation, uh, the trial, the verdict, really hit home and struck a chord with him, and that came out in his in his tweet. D. Wills, how do you feel about what Roddy White said? Um, and, and going after the jurors and saying the jurors in the trial needed to, to go off themselves for for letting uh letting them walk. I mean, it was you know it was his words and. How he felt and uh, his expression. I, you know, I think, you know, uh, again, social media, and I had to be very careful with myself because I, I think uh, people get that what I, that Twitter courage and that social media courage in a way that allows you to express the way yourself in a Is way that that you normally liquid would. Courage? Yeah, yeah, it's a, <laughs> close relative. So, you, you know how that <laughs> is. Close relative. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm always, um, and, and, and when we start to talk a little bit about how we feel about this, I'm, I'm more concerned about what they do moving forward. So, however they express themselves, what role are they going to play local to begin? Because all politics are local, and so I'm, you know, it's, it's been good that. People are reacting across the country, um, but all politics are local. So, you know, what do you do in your own backyard every day to 
push against these issues. And I'm, I think that's where I'd love to see athletes do more, um, you know, to do some of the things that you see folks like Jalen doing with his own school and to be involved and engaged at the community level. So, you know, if these guys take that energy and then it, it gets them energized to, to do more locally, um, then then I think that's a positive thing. Um, you know, I think it's building it for careers after. I mean, look at look at what KJ did in terms of being able to keep Sacramento Kings in Sacramento. Yeah. He's always been politically motivated. It's been about building communities. But that was something he was doing as a player. I mean, he was preparing himself. He was engaging in these issues uh, as a player and understood the power of economics. And I think, you know, um, it's good to react, but we can't have the same old solutions reactions to these issues that we always have. We can't keep burning down stores. You know, Ice, Ice Cube hey. called it 23 years ago. So we can't be surprised in, in our reaction is burning down stores now at Walmart and taking TVs. we got to do something different. Um, and so and, I think and, and, if, they, if they do that, if they change their energy and do something different, I'm all for it. I think they're, they're people, they're human beings who should have emotions, but it's how you channel, channel those emotions. Well said, well said. And now now I want to shift the conversation. I think you gave me a good segue right there. To shift the conversation into kind of us and, and with the whole Zimmerman situation as African-American males um, and having a platform, having a voice with this show, um, there's a lot of feelings out there about this particular situation, about how everything played out. Um, be free to share what you feel comfortable sharing over the airwaves with folks. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to put you guys in a situation that you don't feel comfortable. But in response to the verdict, what was your? How 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 do you feel about the situation and the verdict and the response of the people? You kind of got into that D wheels a little bit. I want PhD to go with the D wheels when he's done. I want you to kind of just take it and, and give give me your perspective afterwards. So PhD, how did you feel about the verdict? People's responding, communities responding, um, the coverage in general. Um, how did you feel about just kind of the whole situation around um, this particular unfortunate event? Well, the situation is very upsetting, you know, because I, I think about just situations that, you know, my dad talks about. You know, my dad is, is in, his, in his 70s. He, he grew up in Detroit. You know, he and my mother saw so much stuff growing up, things that people in our generation, for the most part, can't even think about seeing or think about happening um, in 2013, but but here is a clear example of it happening, and there are other clear examples um, of things to a lesser magnitude also happening along these lines. And, I mean, it's frustrating. It's it's just, uh, you know, the verdict... It was disappointing from my perspective, um, but whenever you go into legal proceedings, I mean, you never know how that's going to go down. So the one thing I have been happy about that's come out of this is that people seem to be demonstrating peacefully, and also a lot of people that have voices are using them to express their frustration. You know, I listened to Jamie Foxx earlier. You know, some of the athletes we just talked about. I am happy that people are using their voice to share how they feel, even though it may not be um, statements that makes everybody feel warm and fuzzy. I think 
I think as a as a generation, the last couple of generations, we've gotten away from that because there are pressures out there um, to conform um, to saying and doing, you know, that on a scale of one to seven, saying and doing that 3.5, something that's right in the middle. Um, and so I applaud folks for kind of taking a side and speaking their mind. Okay. Now, now before you jump in, D. Wills, I want to kind of hit on a point that I'm hearing. And one thing you talked about, D. Wills, is about not just running into burning out stores and doing the same old thing. How have you felt about the way people are responding? PhD talked about it, how he's happy to see folks voicing their opinions, voicing their frustration, speaking their peace, using their constitutional right to assemble um, peacefully, and not taking it to that next level of of getting violent, being destructive. So you say we can't burn down, we can't burn down stores anymore. What needs to happen? You know, because again, I, I I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, but I'm assuming, knowing who you are and knowing your heart, that this struck a chord with you. Um, and I think everybody's sick and tired of being sick and tired around situations like this. To quote, well, you know, yeah. Well, you know, uh, on the day of the verdict, I, I was coming back uh, from a funeral uh, bearing a young man. So, um, you know, it was it, it took a lot. Um, someone who died too young, and so you know, I'm realizing, you know, this this hinged on a law that laws can be changed. But they they take a, a kind of organizing that you don't typically see people do. And so when you talk about these athletes, how do you leverage your funds? You know, we're going we're to we talk a little about Jay-Z, and you obviously are the aficionado. I'm not going to take that too deep. But what I respect about Jay when you talked about the, how you organize around Obama's campaign, how you leverage your resources to organize, to put pressure. If you, if you look at how things – uh, how things happen. I told you, politics is local, and the people who push politics locally are business owners. Who are bigger business owners than these athletes? And so, and they influence local politics and state politics, but people don't leverage it in the, in the same way. And so, you know, if we want to start to see some of these changes, I think that we could, we learned a lot from what Kevin, and I just threw Kevin out there, but the, this was something that he was his team his city was about to lose something, but he understood how to leverage the system. And I think part of the challenge when you're talking about the laws and supporting and, and and challenging some of these things and putting pressure, you have to start to put your resources to leveraging those things and organizing in ways in which communities haven't always done that. And so that means you put pressure on politicians, you put all kinds of political pressure on them. To begin looking at, we got people walking around here like vigilantes with guns in it. I, I, I watched the 2020 special last week, where someone walked down and he had a he had a he had a video. I think it was 2020 something. He had like a video camera, you know, saying "I fear for my life." While he shoot, you could tell he was saying that for the law, but he looking to shoot somebody. And so we've created this, you know, concealed weapon laws and all these things that create this space for these kind of things to happen, and. Unless you know folks leverage their resources around this locally, then you, you're not going you're not going to be able to do it. So I think that's part of what happens when the dust settles. 
you know, how many more young people got to die? We got some people, kids dying in schools, things like that. So I think, I think part of my thing is, you know, how do you take what you have and leverage it for social change? So it's not just about, it's not just the march. But when the when the march is over, how are people leveraging in communities, and 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 affecting that way? I think that's where you have to go. That's the next level. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think. If you want change, that's where you begin to have it long term. Well spoken, well spoken. And I I also feel like you know, there there are multiple level multiple layers to this conversation, the national conversation that's taking place. Um I think there are a couple of things that really resonate with myself, with me. Um and the first is the conversation you're talking about around these stand-your-ground type laws around gun control laws um, that, again, that's where the energy needs to be put. Um, All of this mobilizing that's going on, that's where we need to put our focus is on, one, using the power we have as a citizenship, as an educated citizenship, to do something about the laws and how the laws, because these laws are not designed to benefit people that look like you and me. You know, hearing people talk about this situation, it, no one ever comes around and actually says, well, didn't the young man have a right to defend himself? You know, it's all about the the uh, defendant in the situation, his right to defend himself. Well, self-defense is something that goes both ways. And so just understanding that how these laws are, are not designed to benefit everybody and protect everyone. That's something that really resonates with me, and it's something that we need to focus on changing. The other conversation that really resonates with me around this issue, around this situation, around this unfortunate um, event, is that we need to start to have a, a larger conversation about the value of, of black life, African-American life in this country, period. Um, kids, young African-American boys, girls uh, are dying on a daily basis at the hands of of many factors. And the media doesn't, you know, I was watching a, a, a CNN special, and the woman who was running the show did a great job of skirting the issue when she asked, she asked the panel, why aren't people talking about, why, why is this situation so different? How come people aren't talking about the murders in Chicago and, and you know, places like Flint, Michigan, Detroit, where, you know, you have some of the places per capita, the highest murder rates in the country, you know. And so you have these cities, but nobody's talking about those situations. And, you know, she did a great job of skirting the issue, and I'm sitting at home like, you know why? Because y'all don't cover it. Y'all are covering this situation. Y'all are talking about this situation because it covers a wide range of people and it resonates with a wide range of people. When the issue is just about preserving Black life, that's not something that the media views as profitable. And so there, there's a machine that exists to uh, to put black life and put the lives of black males uh, in, a, in a very tight box. And that box is used to perpetuate systems and a, and a power structure that really limits the options that you have and allows 
the power structure to benefit off your failure as an African-American male, as an African-American person. And that conversation is the one that I want to see. Really, all of these folks at these rallies, we really need to start to dig into this prison structure, the structure of schools, the laws, all of these little, we got to start connecting the dots. And that's what I hope. And I'm hopeful that this young brother, Brother Trayvon, didn't pass. He wasn't murdered for us to miss an opportunity to have these conversations in his memory. And that's what I hope really happens and really comes from this whole situation. So I don't want to get too 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 deep into it, but I, I, I wanted to give each of us an opportunity to speak our piece. You know, we do have this platform and we do have folks out there who are listening. Um, so I just wanted to take a moment to honor that situation. You know, we try and do that when there are significant events that take place um, socially and they do intersect. Whether whether people want to overtly admit it or not, they intersect with sports and they intersect with life. And sports and life are, are not mutually exclusive. So we want to take a moment to just kind of give you guys an opportunity to put that out there, you know, for the listeners, for the RSG fam out there. You're listening to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG Renegade Radio, brought to you by Resistance Digital. Check out the fellas at resistancedigital.com to get all your digital needs met. With no hassle, no fuss, at a low price, get your game right. All right? So we're going to keep the show rolling. And now I want to get into this conversation about Magna Carta Holy Grail. Now, me and D. Will started this conversation last week. And, again, I didn't want to color. I didn't want to influence my man at all. I wanted to let him digest it on his own terms. So after having a week of sitting with the joint, what do you think, D. Wills, Magna Carta, Holy Grail? How does it stack up in Jay-Z's repertoire? Well, I think this album is going to be uh, appreciated more uh, as people listen to it. Because uh, I think you did a good job of not going too deep. You, you tipped your toe in there a little bit before I had a chance to, to listen to it. And as I, I hit you on Twitter, I said, you know, I listened to it, and as I was listening, I, I didn't even finish the album. I, I hit you up and said, you know I, I think this is better than I think this is better than you think, and part of it is, you know, Jay has this ability to to, but after this album, I think that there were certain songs where he was as political as you can get. He hit some stuff that was deep, but he he has a really good way of tucking those lines in, and you got to listen to him two or three times to to hear what he's saying. But I, like I told you, there, there were there was a run there. I think what I told you was five through eight. I was telling you that on on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just felt like he went on a little run. And what I like about a great album is it's got balance. It's got stuff that's going to be good for the club. It's got some stuff that's going to stretch you. Um, And I know what you were saying before about uh, the way in which he talks about money and fame, but I think think part of it is his, his pushback on that idea he's pushing back on. So people being critical of that but he's coming right back at it. But I think Oceans uh, is, with Frank Ocean, featuring Frank Ocean, is a great song, man. I listen to that over and over. And the line I like is the only Christopher we acknowledge is Christopher, is Wallace. 
is is the line that was like that's a political line, but the way he delivered it was like it was just flawless, right? But when you thought about it, it's like that's the deep line, and just that whole the whole setup how it was arranged. I thought Frank Ocean did a really good job on it, um, but that whole run there, uh, F U T W, uh, another mm-hmm. good song. I love what he, yeah. he talked about when he puts. He talks about uh, Cassius Clay and Malcolm, and kind of uses that as and, and people who know the history in the '60s uh, around um, Cointel Pro and what uh, uh, Jagger Hoover did in the way in which. Uh, People speculate that uh, they they took down uh, the Black Panthers uh, and other great leaders, but the way he, he that's that's political right there, man. That's political. He put he put that in there and, and came deep with it. But I think throughout this album, I felt like you know, I think people are sleeping on this album in a way that I think if, as you listen to it, you can appreciate it. And does he go over the top a little bit on the, the wealth thing? I think. One of the things I think he's saying, why are we ashamed to talk about it? You know, and that's part of the problem. And are we supposed to expect that we get back to my discussion, uh, but also how he leverages his wealth. And so I, I think that um, I, I agree that I think at some point I want him to continue to take you behind the scenes because that was one of the comments that you made last week. Um, I think I love it. There were a couple of those songs where he could have gone there about really walking a little bit deeper into his experience Walking through the game that he he he, he felt short on, but uh, you know I think there's some songs here that I, I think are as uh, political um, as any songs uh, that anyone's doing right now today. At the same time, entertaining, and that's the balance. Uh, Kanye took me to a whole place. I I still haven't. I listened to it once and haven't gone back to it. I feel like I got to be in the right mood, <laughs> but I but I know it's a, I know it's some felonious monk type stuff Kanye got going on right now. It's like you know this stuff is great, but I just got to be in the right mood to listen to it, where I feel like yeah, they gave you a little bit of everything. Yeah, and, I, that, that, and that's for me. And again, your your analysis, I, I'm not, I can't, I'm not arguing with none of that. You know, I've told PAZ, you know, I don't try to influence how people listen to music. What you like is what you like, and you like that, and that's what you got from it. For me, I just, I just feel like he didn't spaz. You know what I mean? I, I, I just want him to spaz out and really go there. You know, it was like he's getting there, he's getting there, he's getting there, and then we go we go the other way real quick. You know what I mean? And well, he's at a point I, I where I feel like he should do. just go in. But but I think that's that? what people, I think when you're in a position like him, that's what those power, but he said I'm in control of this. I ain't got to spaz out. I got this. And you mad that I got, you mad that I got this and I'm not doing it. Scott Boris, right? Like, but see, that's I'm what not, I I'm, I'm, for me as a as a, as a and that's that's where my taste comes into play. I appreciate Ye's joint more because he does spaz out, and it's like, dude, you're going through something right now, and you're doing it on record. And so for me, I like that because I can get that. I feel that emotion. I feel that urgency, and you know. And again, I'm not saying the album is bad. I'm not saying that at all. It's better than. 95% of whatever you're listening to right now. It's a good album. It's good rapping. It's great beats. Everything about it, it's a solid album. But as I said on Twitter, it's Kobe dropping on a Tuesday night in Canada, <laughs> in Toronto. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it's whole home. In, in, in regards to, 
his resume in regards in regards to yes. who he is because he's capable yes. of going for fifty or eighty one. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so it's not one of those performances. And so that doesn't make it bad. He just didn't up the ante on like, yo, man, this dude still has more places he can go. He you know, he didn't increase that that uh metaphoric ceiling on his ability where it's like, yo, how he didn't push he didn't push his legend further. That's all I'm saying. It's not a bad album. It's not. A, it's a good album. Good music. There are joints that I like. You know what I mean? There are a lot of joints. I probably say there's probably like five or six joints on there that I really dig. Other stuff is good, but I'm not gonna. You know, if I'm going through my iPod looking for a joint to put on, I'm not gonna stop at one of those. There's about five or six joints. I'm like, I want to hear this today. You know what I mean? But did he further but, but the list? I want to hit your point because I think this is where the issue is. Because I think you need Jay-Z and you need Kanye to move the agenda. The problem is that everybody thinks we need Kanye. That's all we need. And I would say you need Kanye's and the Jay-Z type. So Kanye is not going to be – he's not interested in doing some of the stuff that Jay-Z is doing from a business standpoint. I don't think Kanye is interested in that. But that's okay because we need you to be – we need – and that's the diversity of that perspective that we have to elevate. And I think both of those, both of them, represent the the the, the diversity of, of engagement and leadership that you need to move something. And how can you appreciate them equally? That's my push. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and again, I'm a Jay fan through and through. Um, have been it's, it's hard to please you. It's hard to please yeah. you, man, because you you yeah. Like, like, they can put you on the panel, and you're going to break stuff down much deeper. That's why I can't get too deep with you, because you'll take us into a whole other thing. You know, you you, you kind but of... Again, I'm not trying to influence thing. how you see it. I'm not trying to influence. I'm just speaking my piece about how I see it. You know, music is so subjective. You know, what one person likes, another person ain't going to like. And, you know, the stuff I like and think the best stuff in the world, somebody else might listen to me like, man, what are you listening to? And I can I can roll with that. Like, your opinion is your opinion. That's what That's what it's about. We can have a conversation about that. So, all right. Hey, it's a, it's a good album. Like I said over, like I said on Twitter, I wouldn't put it above. I wouldn't. It, it wouldn't crack his top six. No, that's all. That, that that's what I'll say about it. As far as how I how I feel about it right now, and it, it may change over time. I'm not going to be static in my opinion, or or pin myself down to a certain perspective. But as of today, I feel like it wouldn't crack his top six. Which is okay. Well, this top six is ridiculous. And, and, and I'm going to say, you know, I just listen to No One Can Do It Better. I listen to DLC, and I'm, I'm still put that up against a whole bunch of albums that I'll hear. Right, right. And Jay said it himself. He said, you know, your first, my, my last verse is better than your first. And, you know, he said, uh, he said my, 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 your best joint ain't better than my worst. And, and that's, that's that's basically putting it in perspective, so to speak. Um, so I want to shift gears and bring my man PhD back into the conversation. PhD, you in the house, homie? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, all right. So we want to talk. I want to, I want to talk about this because you're you're kind of our, our baseball head. Um, you know, D. Will's got good baseball knowledge. Me, I'm a I'm a I'm a novice at best when it comes to baseball knowledge. You know, I kind of checked out of baseball at about 11, and I, I was I was done. Um, 
Major League Baseball and this PED situation. Now HDH is an issue. You know, they got a connection to the lab in Miami. A lot of cats are connected. They're paying for a list of guys who receive services from this uh, this lab in Miami that's been shut down. Um, A-Rod's name is on it. Ryan Braun's name is on it. Some pretty prominent names with those two fellas. Um, how do you feel about PEDs, baseball, and just the whole way they're approaching kind of dealing with the issue? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. It reminds me of Young and the Restless. A lot of drama, a lot of posturing. It it feels scripted. You know, the leaks, they feel highly coordinated. It It's just, I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to trust. I just don't know. My hands are up. And I want so hard. So much to believe in baseball again. You know, tonight's the All-Star game. I have not set my DVR. I'm not watching it right now. I just, I may catch it tomorrow on SportsCenter or if I'm listening to, you know, sports talk in the radio on the drive to work. Um, but I just, I mean, I remember the All-Star games with Bo Jackson. You know, the all-star games with Lou Whitaker when he forgot his uniform and he had to get one from the souvenir <laughs> shop. You know, I remember the days of Whitaker and Trammell playing <laughs> shortstop in the all-star game. I remember, right. you know, seeing Strawberry and, you know, like seeing these matchups and that, you know, that you didn't normally see with the American League and National League. Well, you see it now. You see it more, you know, with interleague play. And I'm not saying it to discourage interleague play because I like interleague play. But I think one of the downsides to it is that the All-Star game loses luster. We know less about the Stars uh, than we did 10 or 15 years ago. And, unfortunately, baseball has just fallen back, man. Baseball, I mean, basketball and football have taken, have moved so much further towards our quote-unquote national pastime that we almost see baseball season as a time to take a break to catch up from being so emotionally involved in the basketball season and the finals. And all of a sudden, you know, we're just counting down to football. You know, there's X number of days, you know, before college football starts. There's X days before the NFL starts. Well, wait a minute. We're in the midst of baseball. And who cares? Outside of the purest. You know, I was just talking to my brother earlier. My brother is either in front of the TV watching an all-star game right now or it's DVR and he will stay away from email, text, whatever, so he can sit down and watch the game. Those purists are far and far in between now. You know, the casual fan, for the most part, just baseball is not, like baseball's biggest thing outside of the World Series, the All-Star game, it's not even the radar anymore. So, you know, your initial question was what's going on with his PEDs. I'm sick of it. It reminds me of Young and the Restless, and I'm just sick of baseball right now. <laughs> I'm sick of it. And, and, and this is where I'm at with it. Is I'm not, I'm, I haven't even thought about the All-Star game, um, and I'm watching a previously recorded NBA Summer League. <laughs> so this ain't even live. <laughs> and I'm watching Summer League game right. over the All-Star game. That's me. That's my own twisted reality. 
Um, I know everybody's not like that. And, but I will say, you know, what what around this whole baseball situation, what bugs me are the people who say, well, just let everybody use roids and, and regulate it. And, and, and listen, if you're a baseball fan, you can't, I mean, how can you just how do you feel about a sport where you feel like you can only enjoy it if all of the guys are on roids? Like that's the only way you can enjoy this? Like I just feel like no, that's not the answer. It's not the answer is not to just let everybody do whatever and just open up the floodgates and that's the only way you can enjoy this. Because you know, they said, well, they should be jacked up. Let them hit the home run 600 feet. That's what I want to see. Really? That's the only reason you love this sport? And so you can see that, and without that, you don't enjoy it? You know what I mean? And you hear purists say that. You know, well, just let everybody do something. You know what I mean? I want to, I, I pay my money. I want to see, I want to see guys all, you know, yoked out. And is is that really what it's about? You know what I mean? Because when I watch any sport, I want to see somebody doing something with the natural ability they have that's amazing. And that's impressive. That's what entertains yeah. me. Watching it. And once I find out you're not doing that naturally, I'm off. <laughs> I'm off. I'm out. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm throwing my hands up and I'm walking away. I'm turning around. I, I'm, you're dead to me. <laughs> Major League Baseball you know I mean? needs to find a way. They need to find a way to integrate some of their best stars. And, you know, what you find is for individuals who are not native English speakers, Major League Baseball and the domestic networks, they have a hard time. How do we highlight these individuals? Right. You know, they're scared to put them in front of a camera unless, you know, they make, like, they're the MVP or something. Even with that, it's, you know, it's kind of like interviewing Pop at halftime. You know, they give you two questions. You know, <laughs> so we need to figure out a way, like, how do you bridge this gap? You know, because it's happened in other arenas. You know, it happens in education. It happens in other sports. You know, but baseball, for some reason, they have not been able to bridge that gap. And and so you have these stars that are, you know, excellent baseball players, but for some reason, you know, baseball has failed to market them effectively. You know, you look at the NBA's uh, commercials. They embrace their international flavor. They embrace their, you know, uh, national diversity. Uh, you know, like with the NBA Cares commercials, with, you know, even some of the outside um, sponsors have, you know, done these commercials where they have all international ball players, uh, basketball players. Baseball, you know, if there's a sport, you know, in the U.S. of the big four, you would think that, you know, baseball and hockey would be able to do that a lot better. And, and I just don't see why baseball has been able to not, like, uh, not break through this, this excellent opportunity. Yeah, and and with they and with this, and it's, I think some of I think baseball's in a weird spot right now. Um, that you had a generation of of superstars who now people don't really like. When you talk about the Barry Bonds, the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa's, the A Rods, Rafael Palmeiro's, all of these dudes that people are just kind of like, eh, I don't like those dudes. So you lost a lot of superstar capital with those guys. And baseball is in a spot where they don't have, like, a guy. Like, who's the best baseball player? You know, Miguel Cabrera, is he a household name? You know, like, you have to have a guy who, in your league, the casual fan knows this is the best guy in your game. 
you know, whether it's Kobe, LeBron, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, these are names that when you say them, people know what sports you're talking about, and they know that this is one of the best guys and they should pay attention and watch. And there's not a guy like that in baseball. And when you look at this All-Star game, there's 30 new All-Stars, 30 first-time All-Stars this year. So baseball is in a place where there's really a void, in my opinion, of true superstars. And I think you're hitting at some of that, D. Wills, you talk about they're not developing folks, um, putting folks out there, superstars and language and culture have a lot to do with that. Because, again, I checked out as an 11-year-old, you're talking about 91, 92. That was back when you had Bo kicking it. You had King Griffey. You had a Tony Gwynn. You had a Ricky Henderson running around the bases, popping his collar. You had guys that I could connect with. Those are the guys that I remember. And as time went on, those guys slowly started to disappear. And so with baseball right now, they have to figure out how to develop some young stars that people can can. I mean, when, even when I think about hockey, Sidney Crosby, Ovechkin, I can come up with names of people that are supposed to be the baddest dudes in that game. And with baseball, I cannot. I, there's no face that I. There's no face of the league. You know what I mean? And that that I think, if I'm a baseball purist, would be a bit troublesome. Because again, yeah. you don't have you, you don't have a space in the consciousness. There's nobody occupying a space in the consciousness of a casual sports fan. You know what I mean? Well, D. Wills, I want to pull you in real quick and transition it because it seemed like people were trying to put Yasiel Pui in that spot for a minute, and I was I, I've been going off on Twitter about this for about a week since he didn't get voted in because. You know, listening to the Colin Cowherds, listening to the Talking Heads, Baseball Tonight, Cats, the Buster Olies, the Jason Starks, the Tim Kirchens, they were all saying, everybody, to a man, was saying, you got to put your seal Puig in the All-Star game because the fans want to see him. The fans want to see him. It's about The All-Star game is about the fans. It's not, it doesn't matter he's only played a month. This, that, and the other. And then the fans didn't vote him in. And so I'm looking like, yo, did these writers try and create a superstar? Did they try and – and I don't fault them for it. They need somebody to cover. They need somebody to talk about. He's in L.A. He's for – it's a glorified it's – a, it's, a, it's a traditional there's, – there's, there's cachet with the franchise, with the Dodger name, you know, the Dodger blue. He's, he's, what did you think of that? I, I, I felt a certain – I felt like I was being sold a, bad, a bill of goods that these cats are telling me everybody – you know, it's like people telling you, you know, well, everybody wants this, everybody. And then when it comes time to make it happen, you know, it's like here in Wisconsin, we had to recall a vote for, uh, uh, for our governor. Everybody, we you know, we get all these signatures, and you think, well, this cat's going to get ousted. This going to be recalled. This is the will of the people. This is what the people want. And he, we had the election, and he still won. And it's just like, I guess that's not what the people wanted. <laughs> I guess the people didn't want that at all. <laughs> You know what I mean? And so that's how I felt about the whole Yasiel Puig situation. What, and then it seemed like they started to turn on him a little bit, and there's some negative stories that came out right as he was about to lose the vote. How do you feel about the whole Puig hype and and, and this kid's talent? Because and, and, you, you, you have kind of that – you're kind of like the institutional memory around here since you're a little bit older. I'm not going to front like you're way older, but you're a little bit older than P.A.D. and myself. So you kind of play that role as as a historian of, of sorts. 
So give us some context around Yasiel Pui. Uh, well, I, I mean, I'll just say this. It's 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 a microcosm of why baseball needs Jay-Z. <laughs> Back to other conversation. <laughs> they just miss all the opportunities. And they don't they don't even create the conversation well. Um, and it just became the, the divisive. I think people got, they were fatigued with it. And so, you know, you get to a certain point where you know, uh, uh, the, the economists out there will appreciate this, uh, the point of diminishing returns. There's a point where things start to work against you. And I just think they oversold it. Um, this is a person, they, they need to find a mechanism. I mean, the NBA doesn't miss these opportunities. Uh, you know, uh, NFL will find a way to, to make that face out there. It just seems like baseball trips over itself to protect the hypocrisy. You know, I, I hear Bob Costa, who I have a lot of respect for, try to justify greenies versus steroids. They both illegal. But when you take somebody who is that smart, that trusted, and it's trying to defend folks who we know to greenies to 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 make a case against steroids is all you need to know about baseball's problems. And so you have this long phenom, and you can't even catch the wave on this without tripping over it. Then you got players come out here saying all this crazy stuff, and I'm just like, where are you coming from with this? It's like they talk about tradition when their history is, is, is littered with hypocrisy, and they just smile at you like you're supposed to believe it. So they got a lot of issues. I, I think you put it, you know, they don't, they haven't figured out, you know, NBA doesn't struggle with uh, marketing international players, right? They got a lot of international right. players yeah. where they figure out how to make it work. So why is it that the NBA got it and baseball can't figure it out? That right, that's yeah. all you need yeah. to know about this. They missed an opportunity. Yeah. And that's that's part of the problem. They made some great changes, some other things, but they missed an opportunity here, and it's just an example of why cats like Jay-Z going to eat up baseball. They Because he's going he to figure out how to market these cats. Yeah, and, and, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see if, if, if that does have an impact um, because I think there there is a, a, there is a point where, where – Baseball is they just they don't have that those dudes a couple of dudes a matchup you can highlight you know what I'm saying like you know just anything you know give me something that I can I, I can I can kind of chew on for a minute you know what I mean as somebody who's not I'm not deep in the saber metrics and never will be you know what I'm saying it's not something I'm gonna do but right now again I'm watching NBA summer league games to get my sports fix <laughs> <laughs> I'm open. <Yeah. laughs> I'm a free agent. It's interesting because if you look at basketball, the way – so baseball in the last decade has some really exciting times. And you look at Boston. Boston had not – the Red Sox had not won a championship. You know, you had the curse. You had all this different stuff going on. You know, and then finally they get close with the Yankees and they – you know, they losing in Game 7, and they finally beat the Yankees, and they make it to the World Series, and they win it. So that storyline is a little bit flatter. 
it's a little bit flatter. It's it's one of the big storylines that baseball had. You know, if the Cubs, if the Cubs do something exciting, make the playoffs, go to the World Series, win it, that's going to be another storyline they don't have. But if you look at basketball, what was the big storyline a couple years ago? Will LeBron win a championship? Of course, he's won it. But basketball is still striving, you know, still thriving. We're like we're looking for. Like we don't know what the next specific story will be, but the stories out there are enough to captivate us. In baseball, and, and, and there's a guy for people to challenge. I think that's the other. That's where the stories yeah. are now. Okay, who's going? Who's going to knock him off? Do you have a guy who is the best dude in your game? Now, who's going to knock him off the perch? Yeah, baseball missed a window. I mean, Derek Jeter. Derek yeah. Jeter is probably the most, you know, recognizable domestic face in baseball. Derek Jeter is yep. 38, 39 years old. You know, we're both from Kalamazoo. He's my favorite player. But Derek Jeter only has a couple of good years left, if that. You know, and so baseball has not transitioned. It's it's kind of like the NBA. You know, Kareem's getting ready to retire, and they don't know who's going to carry the torch. No, the NBA knew who was going to carry the torch. Dr. J's getting ready to retire. We don't know who's going to carry the torch. Yes, they knew exactly who was going to carry the torch. You know, even when Jordan left, there was no clear, clear person, there were enough people that we knew the stories that could step up, whether that was Shaq, Kobe, you know, whoever it was. And baseball has missed that gap. They have missed that window. You know, I think about when when the uh, Wall Street was thriving, you know, we didn't think about what happens if the market crashes. And baseball is in this funk right now. You know, times were good after that strike in the mid-90s. And, guys, I can go all day about this. So so at some point you just may need, may need to mute my mic. Okay? <laughs> Matter of fact, I'll stop there. Okay, okay. Yeah, a little fired up. Yeah, I, I can tell. I can tell, man. That's why you are a resident baseball guy, man, because I'm not going to get that fired up about baseball. <laughs> Let me tell you why I'm mad. Let me tell you why I'm mad. <laughs> oh man You listen to the Real Sports Guys RealSportsGuys.com RSG Renegade Radio Brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions So now I want to just have a quick conversation Before we get to talking NBA Johnny Football I, This is a dude that's getting on my last nerves And <laughs> it's not because of necessarily What he's doing It's because of the people who are defending him and saying, well, oh, he's just being a college kid, and this is what college kids do. This is what normal college kids do. Right. The key word is normal. All right? The key word is normal. He is not a normal college kid. You know, I tell I tell my daughter, I tell the kids that I coach, if you want to be spe- treated special, you have to act special. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have to carry yourself in a special way. You can't want special treatment and then act like everybody else. <laughs> it don't work like that. You can't act like the average kid and then want special results. If you want you can't special do it. people, exactly, special people are special for a reason. They're special because they do things differently than everybody else. <laughs> so stop defending this boy saying, well, he's just being a regular 20-year-old. Right. You know what, though? Regular twenty year olds don't win Heisman trophies, all right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm off on Johnny Football. This dude in my book is Ryan Leaf 2.0. Ooh. And 
I'm dropping the butt label on him. Some guys are being amnesty. Drew Gooden got amnesty today. 
Uh, Mike Miller got amnesty today. Um, so it's some cats out there. I don't know if anybody's going to pick up Mike Miller. I mean, his back goes out every 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Metal World Peace got picked up by the Knicks. I called that. I called that as soon as he was amnesty. On Twitter, I put it out there, 50 bucks he wanted to look at NYC. Um, what I want to do right now, while we have some time, I really want to take the last half hour of the show and really dig into this. I want you to rank. Give me your top eight in each conference as of right today. Now, this should evolve over time. Right today, right now, I want your top eight in each conference. I'm going to start with PhD if you're prepared. Are you ready? No. If you need a minute, just – you ready? I'll take it. I'll take a minute. All right. All right. Run with it. Okay. <laughs> I think it's. Oh, you, you said you need a minute. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought you said you were going to take a minute to go ahead and get I mean, here. I, I mean, I called an audible. You know, Peyton Manning. Yeah, I called an audible. You know, I'm, I'm a young man. Reggie Wayne, like, wait a minute. I, you know, I thought it read it wrong, but Peyton yelling at me. What? <laughs> you were waving off the screen. He was waving off the screen. Right. He wasn't hearing it. He was right. like, uh, he came right back to you. My bad. Right. This My guy bad. coming to give a Bobby Knight screen, you know, hands over the groin, okay? He's like, wait, man, get out of here. <laughs> My bad. I don't listen good. I don't listen good. <laughs> right. All right. He went. <laughs> You okay, man? I mean, you know, people admit they don't listen right, well. Man. Typically, that comes after years and years of therapy, man. You okay? Or married. <laughs> I'm on year nine. <laughs> I'm ready, you got to talk it up. Yeah, I don't listen to it sometimes. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. So, so you want me to give the 18s, I think, is going to make the playoffs in the East and the West, or just the East? As of, as of today, the best you can. Yeah, yeah, as of today. Let's go East. Let's all do East, and then we'll all do West. So let's go Eastern Conference first. Give me your top eight. All right. Um, I'm going to go Cleveland. As eight? Uh, I'm going to go Boston eight. Cleveland seven. Um, I'm gonna go Charlotte six. That's my big upset. Ooh, Charlotte, that is a big upset. Yeah. Okay. And so actually, I'm gonna go Cleveland seven. No, Cleveland six and Charlotte seven. So I'll start over. Um, <laughs> if you can't tell, he's probably doing this on the fly. Yeah, I am. I am. I am. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. Boston eight, Charlotte uh, seven, Cleveland six. Uh, now it gets fun. I'm gonna go the Knicks five because I'm not a huge fan of the Knicks. Um, I'm gonna go Brooklyn four. Uh, Chicago three, Indiana two, and Miami one. And actually, uh, so, so, so everybody out there, don't hold me to this eight because I just switched twice and I'm gonna switch again. Um, I think Miami is gonna be a two or three seed. I don't think they're gonna win the East or like have the best record coming out the East, but I think they'll still make the uh, finals and win it. 
But based on my previous comments, I I just don't think the regular season is going to matter as much to these guys. And they're going to slide in two or three seed, but it won't matter as much. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the, the squad that you got that I, I I don't have in my I don't have my is Charlotte. Expound. Yeah. So so I like I like what Charlotte's done. Um, the biggest pickup is Al Jefferson. I think Al Jefferson gives them a whole other look of what they haven't had. And you know I've been in love with. I mean, Al Jefferson has brought me multiple fantasy championships. And, and and I mean, this isn't for the listeners. This is specifically for Marcus and Devon. But <laughs> in the last right. 12 months, I've won four fantasy leagues, um, three in football, um, one in basketball. And I just want to throw it out there. So coming back, um, I like what L. Jefferson brings to the table. Yeah, Jamaica's good. Jamaica's very good. (laughs) My man. My man. Can I get that one more time? Jamaica's good. Yeah, Jamaica's good. Jamaica's very good. Very good. (laughs) Yeah, and and I think Charlie has enough. That's right. Belly, one of the best, worst movies you'll ever watch. Um, the first 35 minutes is very captivating. So I think Charlotte has enough pieces where they can make a move mid-season or maybe even a little bit earlier, you know, whether that's moving Zeller, uh, Biambu, uh, Kid Gilchrist. I think they have enough good pieces where they can move somebody around to get another piece. But I like the core of what they have right now with Jefferson I think Henderson is is ready to take the next step, either he or Gilchrist. Um, And so, again, out of the East, saying that they're a seventh seed, that's not a huge leap. I mean, at some point, a broke clock is right twice a day. And Charlotte has been in the um, lottery every year of their existence. Every year. They have qualified for the lottery. Regardless if they have the pick or not, so at some point that talent's going to come to root. <laughs> valid points, valid points, very valid. Oh, D. Wills, your top eight in the East. Uh, all right, all right. So don't hold me to it, but I'll make it happen. Let me do this. I'll start from the bottom to the top because that's how that's how I did it. I did it from the bottom to the top. Y'all didn't catch that. But anyway, uh, I, I caught it, man. I caught I it, man. It. I got you, Wills. I got you. I'm going with Detroit at eight. Detroit. Yeah, Chauncey's back in the building, y'all. You ready? Here we come. Uh, Don't believe that. Atlanta. Atlanta, for some reason, I, I feel like Atlanta's a seven. Even though they got lots going on, I think they gonna, something's going to happen. I think they got a lot of pieces moving in and out, but I think. They still have a team know, in Atlanta? I, I think they still have. I just feel hey, like Justin, Justin, no, 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 no. Had Justin call in here, man. Justin got a little critical. I didn't have a hawk in my eight. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Justin. My, I'm this, sorry. This, this, this is my shout out to Justin. Uh, I got Cleveland next, uh, then New York, Chicago, Indiana, Brooklyn, and Miami. I think I got it. That's yep. 
So that's my order. Okay. Detroit. Okay. Atlanta, so so you got to explain. You got to explain Atlanta. You got to explain Atlanta. I, I think. Uh, I think. Horford, Horford getting a little bit more space to operate. I think this is a guy that can prove that he can carry a team. Um, and I feel like one of the things I just I felt like they've always had too many of the same players playing around the same position. And one, they need to create space for one of them just to be logging the minutes. I got a feeling he's gonna be like a poor version of Barkley back in the seventy sixes day. He's gonna he's gonna put some numbers up. But I think I like the pieces. I like the young. They got the young kid um, uh, uh, from uh, what's the, is the German? Is the guy the point guard? Yeah, Schroeder. Schroeder. Yeah, the black Schroeder. German. I, I, I think I think he's a kid that um, I think is going to make an impact. Just helping energize them a little bit. Um, I thought they had so many different guards. I, I know they had to create some space a little bit, but I, I, I think. I think they're going to be, it's going to be a little difficult for them early on, but I think they're going to win some games they shouldn't win. Um, and I think they're going to just make a run towards the end. I think the only problem I don't like about it is that you got to get bad to get good. And I think that's always been Atlanta's issue. They've never been bad enough to get that ultimate player. And I just think um, that that they'll do the right thing. Actually, that's not true, in. though. That's not true, though. Huh? That's not true. They passed up on a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, they I missed mean, on a lot of dudes. They've they had some picks, but they've missed. Yeah, they, they missed on it. You bro. think I, Sheldon I, Williams instead of TP3 or Darren Williams? Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Atlanta's – I just felt – I looked at it, I just felt like they're they're a, a seven. Um, but I think you can mix it up. I think between Atlanta, Detroit, I agree with the Bobcats. I think – um, the Zeller pick looks better uh, with the free agency pickups. Now I think he's going to play much better. I think have a better team. I think I think that bottom part of that East could go either, either way. I just feel like for some reason I feel like Atlanta's going to sit somewhere in seven. I, and I don't have I don't have facts to back this up. You can hit the drop. Um, uh, <laughs> I am feeling good about Detroit. Uh, I think Detroit, particularly with having Chauncey back in in terms of leadership and just. I think they got a lot, a lot of nice pieces. I feel like they're gonna do it. I like Detroit. Okay. So okay. Atlanta's, Atlanta's, Atlanta's my just my feeling. They're gonna make it. They could be at seven or eight. But I just feel like they're gonna be there. And we all gonna imagine how they. D. Wills, what are your right. thoughts on Rasheed Wallace being an assistant coach? <laughs> <laughs> I got, I gotta ask you, D. Well, I mean, everybody you talked to said Rashid is one of the smartest players they've ever played with. Uh, knows the game. Um, yes, he's an emotional guy, but if you talk to people who play with him, they say he's one of the smartest players they've ever played with. And so I think he'll be really good for the big men, uh, developing, uh, being a little bit more crafty. You know, um, I think a lot of what they're trying to do, particularly with bringing John Cena, everybody, is getting kind of that locker room and that culture back. And so I think he'll he'll play a lot. He'll play, he'll play an important role in terms of recreating that culture, uh, what's expected in the locker room. But he's a smart guy. He knows how to play the game. He could be helpful. This, this is this is what I, I like the Rasheed hire <clears throat> for the simple fact you just gave sixteen million a year to Josh Smith. Yeah. You need somebody that speaks head case <laughs> on <right>. your bench. <laughs> <laughs> Because you stuck with that boy for four years, 
You need a you need somebody who can say, "Dog, yeah. I understand." <laughs> when he go, when Josh Smith is going off in practice and talking crazy, and nobody really know who he mad at, or why he's mad, Rasheed can come yeah. over and be like, "Okay, you know, he, he's a, he's a head case whisperer." So you need that. But I got five words to sum up how I feel about Rasheed Wallace as a coach. Technical foul on the bench. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going six games before we hear that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going six games. Boy, the first what, Joy Crawford game. The first Joy Crawford game. She is getting a tech on the bench. <laughs> I mean, can he yell out "ball don't lie" on the bench in a suit? <laughs> can you hear that? I mean, is that legal? Brian, Does that work? Brian, yeah, I think this is really going to go really game? well. This is going to go really well, or it's going to totally flop. <laughs> I don't think there's any in between. This is Rasheed. Either he's going to be a great, influence, smart, astute, and this dude is going to, or it's going to be you just got Rasheed Wallace and a coach in a suit on your bench. <laughs> you got Can the same think, um, player. Oh, Fellas, can we think of a player, basketball, who was a wild card, uh, a straight wild card like Rashid? I'm not talking wild card, you know, um, mild. No, I'm talking wild card, big joker. Can we think of a guy <laughs> who was a big joker? who went into coaching and became a head coach. Because this would be tripped out 12 years from now. Rashid is leading an organization. Um, because if he goes right, that's where he's headed. But, guys, can we think of any player that's been as big of a wild card or something near Rashid or the biggest wild card that we know that became a head coach? Can we think of some examples? Oh, my goodness. I- I say, I, I'm at D. Wills, again, you're the institutional memory around here. You may have to chime in, but I want to say we're in uncharted waters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think of it. I don't know how this is going to go. And I'll wait. I have no frame of reference. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think we have one. This is this is uncharted water. I mean, and I'm a little nervous because I'm still my confidence. Joe is waning. You know, I'm trying. I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to believe right now. Yeah, yeah. I need Joe. I need Joe to stop wearing jeans uh, and a jacket to press conferences. And any listeners out there, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, tomorrow, whenever you listen, you think of a wild card. You know, go on to Facebook or tweet us. Uh, to let us know, cause, cause I racked my brain trying to figure this out over the last minute, and I haven't thought of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think of anybody, man. Guys, guys who come to mind are guys like Vernon Maxwell. He ain't coaching nobody. Um, Dennis Rodman. I think, I think the only one that's ain't coaching nobody. Dennis Payday is Sloan. Oh, or John Sloan. Lucas. Maybe John Lucas. There we go. Maybe John, John Lucas, Lucas or, or Sloan. Well, John Lucas was more wild off the court, right? I mean, he was more wild off the court, but was he? I don't. I mean, was he a wild card on the court? Sloan was wild. Sloan was uh, physical, ready to fight, 
from what everything you know, Chicago folks would probably just get amp in, but Sloan was was one of those cats that was would be, would fight you anywhere. Okay, okay, so so we we we, we have to do some research. But not, he's not R&D. Still, he's still not receiving. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm about to go to the in the library to, to figure out what kind of wild card Jerry Sloan was. Man, I had to do an assignment with some microfiche, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hated it. Hated it. Oh, man, let me give you all my top eight real quick. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. All right, you renegade radio. We're giving you our top eight in each conference in the NBA. Uh, we're in the Eastern Conference right now. I'm going to start one, and I'm going to start from the top. I'm going top down. I'm going top down. I got Miami at one. The New Jersey, the, no, I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Nets at two. The Chicago Bulls at three. The Indiana Pacers at four. The Cleveland Cavaliers at five. The Detroit Pistons at six. The New York Knicks at seven. And the Washington Bullets. Yep. <laughs> Washington Bullets, all right. I ain't calling with a wizard. I'm done with that, man. That's just a whack thing, <laughs> man. Hey, that's so another thing, Washington. man. I'll explain Washington. I will. And hey, let me just say this real quick piece, man. People are, are getting at the New Orleans Pelicans about their nickname. And I just had to go at somebody on Twitter, and I was like, come on, man. Like, are you serious? You mad about Pelicans, but the Spurs, the Nuggets, the Wizards, you know what I'm saying? Those are okay. <laughs> the Clippers, you're cool with those, Nick. Those aren't even any. Where's the Clipper? A big boat. That's scary. <laughs> That's menacing. <laughs> That's frightening. It's a spur. You're talking about the little thing on the back of your shoe. You're going to name your team after that because it's scary? <laughs> a nugget? Come on. So, so, you know what I mean? So, I'm calling them the Bullets because they actually got a scary nickname in their past. So, I'm going with the Bullets. Um, the Bullets, this is where I'm at with them. The big man, the, the second half of the season, once John Wall came back, things started to fall into place. A Mecca Okafor could be a Mecca Okafor. You know, he could he could shoot shots around the rim and rebound. Nene got to be Nene. You know, shoot a high percentage, be active on the glass, be active on deep. You know, Bradley Beal started to find himself. John Wall can keep them at 500. You know, I think he doesn't get the credit that that he deserves. He's still got to find a jump shot, but he figured out last season how to control a basketball game and to use his speed and his athletic ability to impact the game. And I think I think uh, there are going to be a lot of teams tanking. Um, and I think the Bullets may be able to sneak into the playoffs with 37 to 40-some wins. Um, slightly below 500, and I think that's something that they're capable of. Um, and Otto Porter, even though he's struggling in the summer league, I think, again, playing with a, a legit point changes a whole lot. And you can see the difference in that team once, both on the court and statistically, the difference in that team. And in the wing column, the difference in that team once they had a, a legit point guard, um, somebody to make sure that the right guys are getting the right shots and, and in the right places, and somebody that can set people up and make it easy for the Mecca Okafor, make it easy for Nene. You know, you get a couple of guys, a couple of easy baskets, and the defense steps up. It's an unbelievable thing. And I don't know if you've ever seen him before. A guy scores a basket, and all of a sudden he's locked down defender on the next possession. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable phenomenon. 
Never play any pickup basketball. Just watch. And let the dude hit a three. <laughs> watch him run. Now, he's picking up at half court now. <laughs> you know, he, ain't, he ain't even guarding the guy with the ball, but he's on him. He's on him. So, <clears throat> I really I, I think that they can sneak in at an eighth spot. But I see the Cavs making a Golden State-like jump this year. Um, last year, Golden State kind of made that jump, going from an okay team, um, a team that had some pieces to a team that was a good team, and I think they've taken another jump to becoming a team that's actually a possible threat um, out west. So we're going to move out west. we got about seven minutes left, so we can't be as long-winded um, with these Western Conference, with our Western Conference uh, predictions as we were with our Eastern Conference. So I'll start us off in the west. I got the Clippers, one. I got OKC, two. I got San Antonio, three. I got Golden State, four. I got Memphis at five. I got Houston at six. At seven, I have the Dallas Mavericks. And at eight, I have the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, I know, I know, Justin. You didn't say Lakers at all. I thought I was listening through. I think I missed the Lakers. Did I miss the Lakers? I didn't say the Lakers. Why would I say the Lakers? All right, I will. I'll leave that alone. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it for you and Justin. <laughs> Why would I say the Lakers? I will do that for y'all on Twitter. Uh, I will do that. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So that's that, that's that's where I stand. You know, Justin had a problem with me having Houston at six, and then in his eight, he had him at five. <laughs> like Justin, you just being Justin right now. <laughs> How Justin of you to be mad that I had them at six and you had them at five? <laughs> but that's my boy. That's my boy. So, so yeah, that's I, I like what Golden State did. Um, adding equal dollar, you know, I think you got to have defensive wings if you want a shot. You got to be able to stop a Durant. You got to be able to stop a LeBron and a D Wade, and they they bolstered that that particular area where now they have, you know, three guys in Thompson, Eagle Dollar, Barnes, and the fourth in Draymond Green, who you can throw at a Kevin Durant or a LeBron for a few minutes and get some good get some good defensive uh, work done. You know, you can't stop those guys if you can contain them a little bit. And Houston, I think it's just going to take them a while to figure it out. You know, I like what they've done. Dwight, as much, again, I'm on that dude like nobody's business. But he he's a good player, and he's going to a franchise that made sense. He, made a, he finally made a decision that, to me, was the right decision for him. So he, got, he, gained, he gained a couple points in my book. D. Will, give me your eight in the West. All right, so you, you know I hit you up on Twitter on this, but um, I'm going with uh, San Antonio at one, uh, OKC at two, uh, the Clippers at three, uh, Golden State at four, uh, Houston at five, Memphis at six. Um, surprisingly, I, I think the Lake Show might do something. Um, and I put them uh, – at the seven in Dallas at eight. All right, all right. 
Yeah, I ain't, I ain't buying them. I ain't Even drinking though, the purple gold Kool-Aid. They're going for it. I think they might be something. I ain't drinking the purple and gold Kool-Aid. I'm off that. PhD, what's your top eight in the West? Dallas, seven. The Pelicans. I'm sorry, Dallas is eight. The Pelicans, seven. Yes, Pelicans, seven. Lakers, six. Houston, five. Clippers, four. Golden State, three. San Antonio, two. And OKC is a top seed coming out the West. You ain't got Memphis making it? Nah, man. Memphis, I don't know what Memphis was thinking, getting rid of Lionel Hollins. I, you know. <laughs> you just hold it a grudge. Okay, get personal. You got to leave good enough alone, man. <laughs> <laughs> My man just angry. Nah, man, they dropped Lionel Hollins. I ain't got no time for that. I ain't got no time for that. I ain't got no time for that. Well, that, that's a, that's a two minute warning, John, right there. You know, we winding down. So before we go, we have to do the resistance digital dog of the week. So fellas, let's go ahead and get into it. All right, so this week's Dog of the Week, again, is brought to you by Resistance. Make sure you hit up the Resistance Digital to get all your digital needs met at a low price. With no hassle, no fuss, no muss. It gets the job done, gets the tech game right, no problem. All right, Dog of the Week, fellas. PhD, Dog of the Week, who you got? My dog of the week, because I have not been on the show for a while, is LeBron James for winning his second championship. Why you bringing up all the stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I, I, D. Wills, dog of the week. My dog of the week goes out to my guy, uh, Sean Frazier, who just uh, became athletic director at Northern Illinois University. That's my guy, Sean. He's up and coming. Um, check him out. I'm loving it. I'm happy for him. All right, all right. Um, my dog of the week, man, I'm going to have to go with Freddie Freeman uh, with the upset. Getting voted into the All-Star game over what looked to be the unquestioned favorite in Yasiel Puig. So shout out to Freddie Freeman, working hard. So that's this edition of the Real Sports Guys, Real Sports Guys, Renegade Radio. We're taking off until next week. We'll be back here, same place, same time. Take care and peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.